Welcome to this week's energy show. So energy from the sun is very diffuse. I mean, there's lots and lots of energy coming from that nuclear power plant that's 93 million miles away, but it's very spread out. Uh, you know, you hold your hand out, it's just a little bit warm. But if you, if you collect that energy within enough area, you can really you know, power just about anything. So there's this perception that solar can't meet our country's energy needs, and it's absolutely untrue. So let's just kind of run through the numbers on a typical solar panel that, that we're, you know, we and other companies are installing all the time. Typical panel efficiency right now is about 17%. That's 280 watts per panel. And these panels are 40 inches by 65 inches, about the size of a window. In California, that panel is going to collect about 400 kilowatt hours a year. Put that panel on your roof, you're going to get about 400 kilowatt hours. More in a sunny place, less if you have shade. At 25 cents a kilowatt hour, which is kind of the average rate for people, that works out to, to generating $100 of electricity every year. One panel, 100 bucks of electricity. So if you put 20 panels on your roof, that's going to cover a $2,000 electric bill. And by the way, each panel is going to cost, when you kind of average everything out for a 20-panel system, each panel is going to cost about $500 to install on your roof. And that includes the inverter and the electronics and the permit and all that other stuff. So you just look at the payback on one panel. It costs you $500 to install one panel in a 20-panel system. It's going to save 100 bucks. Simple payback, five years for each panel. That's pretty darn good. So the thing is, if we have enough area to collect this diffuse solar energy, we can generate a lot of power. And there are a lot of rooftops in the whole country. So in order to analyze this, and there's been kind of anecdotal estimates that have been done based on the number of buildings and really just kind of ballpark numbers, the National Renewable Energy Lab did a study called Rooftop Solar Photovoltaic Technical Potential in the United States, a detailed assessment. Now, I always kind of get a kick out about, you know, about the, the names of these papers. They're, they're definitely not headlines. They're a mouthful. But this is basically a research report that looked at all the roofs in the U.S. and said, how much solar energy can we generate from those roofs? And, and NREL is great at that. Now, what they did is they looked at all of the buildings they could see from satellites and from another technology called LIDAR. We'll get to that in a minute. And they only looked at the ones that had good solar potential. So they looked at all the roofs and took out the ones that were shaded or had the wrong orientation. And then they looked, then they applied a standard panel efficiency of 16%, which candidly is kind of on the low side. I'd say you know, over the next five years, we're all going to be moving towards 18, 19, 20% efficiency panels. So their numbers are going to be low. But their conclusion from the paper, and this is just the high level, takeaway that the res if you just look at the residential and commercial buildings in the US and you assume that you put relatively low efficiency panels on those those roofs can generate 39% of the country's total electricity needs from solar that's just that's just rooftops when you look at homes the, the number is much higher and so in many states it's over 100% and then if you apply the the utility scale solar that's going in and ground mounts you know we're easily over 100% so whenever anybody says to me that Solar is too insignificant for meaningful power. They come back and they say, oh, the solar penetration in the country is only 1%. We're never going to get to 100%. 100%. Baloney. That's the correct response. Look at the research. These people are not well-informed or they have another agenda. Have them listen to this podcast or check out this NREL paper. Or talk to any of the million homeowners and businesses that have solar on their rooftops that are already looking at zero electric bills. So when I looked at the study, the most surprising thing to me was that small buildings, mostly residential, and they kind of look at buildings that they considered small under 5,000 square feet, they provide the majority of the generating potential. It's not the big buildings where you're going to get all this, the energy generation. It's the small buildings because there's a lot of those small buildings, and that's where, where we can generate the power. What's interesting also 
is the small buildings, the homes, are where the residential electric rates are the highest. So you're going to get the best customer savings if you put solar on small buildings. The economics for the building owner are the best. So when we kind of look at the conclusions of this whole report, I'm just kind of going to skim down the, the, the headlines here. So small buildings, less than 5,000 square feet, they'll generate 25% of national electricity usage. 25% of, of small buildings. Medium buildings are generating another 5.4. Large buildings, and large is assumed to be over 25,000 square feet, eight, uh, 6.2%. So the total of all buildings was 39%. And when you look at the potential for community solar and utility solar and other ground mounts, we're easily over 100%. So now let's look at the methodology they used for this study. So first thing they did is they looked at the percentage of small buildings that are suitable for PV in each zip code. So they looked at shading, the tilt, and the azimuth. And then what they did is they used this technology called LIDAR. It's light detection and ranging to determine the shading, the tilt, and the azimuth. And actually in the solar industry, we use LIDAR to, to measure rooftops and see where the, the shading is and see the roof pitch and see where the vent pipes are. It's similar to radar, but it uses light. And what's kind of cool, you know, and a nice advantage here, the Department of Homeland Security had this data for 23% of U.S. buildings and 40% of the U.S. population. So the DHS has been looking at this data. I don't know why, but you know it's nice to have, and, and that's what NREL used. And what they also looked at is they assumed that the roof had to have a pretty big contiguous area, footprint over 10 square meters. It's about 30, 33 square feet or so. And the next thing they did is they looked at the generation for each of these building types, small, medium, large, as a percent of a state's total electricity sales. So when we looked at just the small buildings, that was 58% of the buildings. The medium was 18% and the large were 24%. So, and as I mentioned, the sheer number of small buildings in the country gives these buildings the greatest technical potential for solar. Now, when they looked at to figure out what the generation capacity was, they looked at four factors. They looked at the suitability for solar. Obviously, south-facing at a 20 or 30-degree tilt is best, and they excluded north-facing roofs. They looked at this, the household footprint, like the size of the house per resident. Bigger houses are, are generally better than smaller houses because you've got more room for solar on the roof. They looked at the solar resources. Obviously, sunny areas are better. And they looked at the average household energy consumption. So lower per capita consumption is better. So here's what some of the results were. And, and you know, in some cases, it's surprising. In some cases, it's not surprising because the market's just kind of following this. But the Los Angeles area, California, San Francisco, Bay Area, San Diego, really good for solar. Why? Because it's sunny. Don't get a lot of rain all the time because along the coast, the climate's relatively mild, so we don't use a ton of air conditioning. And, and these areas generally have pretty big houses, not, not really, really high population density. They looked at Atlanta. Now, Atlanta turns out not to be that good. The, the, the reason is that the houses are very shaded and the weather isn't quite as good and they have higher population density. Florida was pretty good. New York City was okay. And the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., not, not very good at all. So here's kind of what some of the rationale for that was. The cities with the largest potential capacity for solar, the cities, and we're looking at you know, the, the city definition, Los Angeles and New York. These are big cities, high building density, and what's interesting also, shading from other buildings, not a big factor. But even with the large capacity in these cities like L.A. and, and New York, PV can't 
meet the same percentage of electricity demand as it can be met in smaller cities. And the reason is you have high-rise apartments and offices that are very energy intensive. And you have apartment buildings where there's a lot of people in one place. So per capita electricity is relatively high for the amount of solar that you can put on the roof. So a comparison between Syracuse and New York City, they have about the same solar resources. I'm a little skeptical because it's always snowing when I'm in Syracuse. But Syracuse can generate 57% of its total consumption from rooftop solar. And New York City, only 18%. Now, obviously, you fly over the cities, you see why, because New York City just got a lot of high-rise building, a ton of people there, and not a lot of rooftops. But on the other hand, you look at cities in California and some other parts of the country, Mission Vieja really stands out. Very high per capita production per solar. The reason is that they don't have a lot of multifamily housing. They have a lot of residential rooftops per resident. They obviously have really good weather. And when they combine all that together, Mission Viejo can generate 88% of its total energy consumption just using rooftop PV. Now, we're we're broadcasting from here in the Bay Area. The Bay Area does really, really well in terms of the ability to meet the total electricity consumption from solar. Sacramento, 71%. So let me repeat that. 71% of the energy used in Sacramento can be generated from rooftop solar. San Francisco is only 50 because it's got a higher density and smaller rooftops. I mean, rooftops in San Francisco are tiny. Cooler coastal areas like San Jose and along the peninsula, probably also around 70% or more of the energy that's needed. The warmer interior, so when you kind of go east to the Central Valley or you know towards the areas where it's hotter, even though the houses are big, you have much higher energy consumption because of air conditioning use. Okay, let's talk a bit about solar for your home or your business. At Cinnamon Solar, we've been installing rooftop systems in Silicon Valley area since 2001. We've got thousands of happy customers, so check out our website or check out our five-star Yelp reviews. And not only do we design and install systems, we've also been taking care of our solar customers for over 15 years. So if you have a solar power system and it needs maintenance, give us a call. And keep in mind that you can still get the 30% solar tax credit in 2017, but this tax credit's on the chopping block in Washington, D.C. as part of tax reform. So I'd say get it while you can, and also that tax credit's going to really help you avoid the PG&E rate increases for 2017. Okay, now let's look at the relative energy production at the state level just for residential buildings. So most of what what I do is on residential. We do a lot of commercial too, but mostly been residential. And the study that NREL did, they did a really good job of looking at the available roof space, the amount of energy solar that can be produced on that roof space. And then they correlated that with how much electricity was being used in those states. And so let's look at Look at the results. And basically, this is a pretty cool map. It's mostly red, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's Republican. Let's look at this map and see where the best states are. And, and some of these, some of these um, results are kind of surprising. So what, what I really like is that there are a number of states where rooftop solar can meet over 100% of the total residential energy needs. That means that if the people who had room for solar on their roof, that had good solar roofs, put solar on those roofs, they would be able to generate power for themselves and they would generate enough excess power for all of their neighbors. And that's the case in these states where residential solar can generate all of the residential electricity needs. California, no surprise. New Mexico, 
Probably no surprise. It's really sunny there. Colorado, no big surprise. But now it's interesting. You get two other states here just kind of snuck in. I was surprised. New York can generate all of their residential electricity needs from residential solar. And Massachusetts can also generate all of their energy needs from rooftop solar. That's mainly because they've got a reasonable amount of sun and enough buildings, enough houses that, that have big enough areas for solar. Now, the thing that, you know, this map doesn't start there because there's a lot of other really great states. So now look at the states that can generate 90% or more of their electricity needs. They're not going to get up to 100, but it's 90%. So now we're talking about a lot more states, Nevada, Wisconsin, New Jersey. New Jersey's no surprise. Um, New Jersey's been a, a big solar state, heck, for a dozen years. Connecticut, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire. So basically, when I look at the map, <laughs> New England and, and the Northeast, every single state in the Northeast, except for Rhode Island, and, and I'm not exactly sure why Rhode Island doesn't fit in. Um, I think it's because they've got a lot of small roofs. But every single state in the Northeast can generate 90% or more of their electricity needs from solar. That's terrific. Now, now let's look at places where we're down in the 80 to 90%. And now we've got a, a few other really big states. Florida, the Sunshine State, no surprise, they can generate 80% of their residential electricity needs from solar. Now, the reason why Florida is a little bit less is because they have a lot of air conditioning loads. Houses are, you know, not huge, but they're usually pretty unencumbered on the roofs. But you've got a lot of a lot of electricity demand in Florida, even though you get a lot of sun. Other state, Arizona, same thing as Florida. A lot of air conditioning demand. So you need a big system. So they're only able to generate 80% of their needs. Michigan and Indiana, the reasons there are a little bit different. They're still kind of hot in the summer. They don't have quite as much solar. So what's interesting from this map is that just because you have relatively poor solar resources, like New England in the Northeast, you know, it's snow, it's rainy, it's, it's a huge snowstorm there right now, doesn't mean that you can't offset a significant portion of that state's energy consumption. So the average small building across all of New England, except Rhode Island, could generate 90% or more of their electricity consumption. That's terrific. Now, let's take a look at what happens when we overlay this for commercial buildings, so all buildings, and then we look at all energy, all electricity needs. So now we're going to add in the the medium-sized commercial buildings, 5,000 to 25,000 square feet, and we're going to add in the large commercial buildings that are over 25,000 square feet, the warehouses, the big box stores, things like that. Well, when we look at that, the, the situation changes a little bit, and still no surprise, California has the greatest potential to offset their use. If we continue to, at the rate we're going, put photovoltaic systems on the rooftops of all buildings in California that are suitable for solar, we can generate 74% of the total amount of electricity sold by utilities. So just rooftop solar, commercial, residential buildings in California, 74% of our electricity needs. So easy to fill that in with another 26% or so from utility scale. We're probably already there. So that's huge potential. This is all behind the meter distributed generation solar. It's by far and away the most cost effective. Next, there's a cluster of New England states, and we kind of talked about all the benefits in New England, that can generate more than 45% of their electricity needs, despite the fact that these states have below average solar resources. So we talked about on residential 
all of the New England in, in the Northeast states can generate 90% or more. But when we look at their total electricity needs, they've got a lot of businesses, they've got a lot of apartment buildings, they've got a lot of industry there, so they don't have a, an, an enormous amount of roof space. But New England can generate 45% of their total electricity needs, despite the fact that the solar resources in New England are like 30 or 40% poorer than they are in other sunnier parts of the country. I think, you know, when I kind of look at what some of the numbers are, here in the Bay Area, we've got about 4.6 hours of peak sun, and in parts of New England, it's more like 3.5 hours of peak sun. So it's sometimes 30 or 40% less. So what states aren't doing so well? Well, it's kind of interesting, you know, just Washington has the lowest population-weighted solar resource in the continental U.S. They could still generate 27% of their electricity needs in Washington. So what's not really a big surprise is the states that are the best performing. You know, we're talking about the states in the Northeast. We're talking about California. We're talking about Florida. And interestingly, we're also talking about Michigan. These states all have significantly below average household electricity consumption. So what that kind of suggests is that um, the states that have already done a good job in terms of energy efficiency make it a lot easier for solar to, to achieve all that potential. I, you know, heck, I used to live in New England and, and, there, and people that were very, very energy conscious. It wasn't necessarily electricity energy conscious at the time. It was doing everything we could to insulate our buildings and seal up the leaks in the windows because there was such a high heating load. And then also in New England, guess what? You get really, really hot summers. So you, you kind of get a double whammy in New England of a lot of air conditioning needed in the summer and then a lot of heating needed in the winter. Florida pretty much purely an air conditioning situation. And then California, California is a little bit of a mixed bag. Along the coast, not a lot of air conditioning needs. It's relatively cool and relatively sunny. But if you go towards the Central Valley in any, any way farther east, you get into areas that are a lot hotter. And you know, I tell you, when we used, when we used to install systems in, in the Central Valley in Fresno, the houses were bigger and the, the electricity bills were like two or three times higher than, than what they would be here in the Bay Area. So some other interesting takeaways from this, Washington, D.C. has the second lowest potential to offset their electricity sales. So it's only 15%. So our policymakers who are living in Washington, D.C., they're not going to benefit a lot from solar. And the reason is, and based on the LIDAR data, and there was pretty good LIDAR coverage of Washington, D.C., it's probably no surprise because... The Department of Homeland Security has probably mapped every inch of every building in the whole Washington, D.C. area. But the interesting thing about this LIDAR data in Washington, D.C. is there's only 17.4 square meters of developable roof area per capita. So, you know, let's kind of translate that more into English. It's less than 200 square feet of, of area where you can put solar per person in Washington, D.C., which is much, much lower than the average in the country, which is closer to about 300 square feet of space in the lighter-covered region. So what does that mean? Washington, D.C., lots of smallish buildings with with rooftops that aren't really good for solar. And it's kind of a little bit the same situation right here in downtown San Francisco because you've got these little buildings with flat roofs, and it's kind of tough to put solar on them. Now, what's also interesting, some states with below-average solar resources like Minnesota, Maine, New York, and South Dakota have even though there's not a lot of sun there, they can really do well to offset their total electricity sales 
because they just don't have that many people there and they don't have that much electricity demand. So that's, that's kind of cool. So conclusions. What does this all mean? Well, boy, California, New Mexico, Colorado, New York, Massachusetts, they can all meet over 100% of their residential electricity needs just from residential rooftop solar. That's amazing. And rooftop solar for homes is by far and away the most cost-effective way to go. Nevada, Wisconsin, New Jersey, Connecticut, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, over 90% of their residential electricity needs. And when we kind of look at the whole country, rooftop solar can handle 39% of the energy needs, and that's including the big buildings also. And this is even with low-efficiency panels. So what I'm kind of looking forward to, as we move up towards 20% efficiency panels, no doubt we can get to 50% of our total country's electricity needs from rooftop solar. And then you add in ground mount and utility-scale solar. We've got plenty of space for that. Easily get to 100%. And, you know, by the way, wind is also going to generate a ton of that power. So between wind and solar... Easy, easy, easy to get to 100% renewables. I know that's not a story that the fossil fuel industry wants to hear. Maybe not even a message that the utility industry wants to hear. But it is a fact, and it's also the cheapest and the cleanest way to do it. And, of course, we'll need storage, but that's going in, and we'll need to upgrade the grid so that we can handle two-way energy flows. But that's all going to happen. And you, you, you just look at anecdotally utilities. The utilities know that solar's cheapest. They're taking out nuclear and they're putting in solar. And you talk to any homeowner or commercial building owner that has rooftop solar, and they know if they got a good deal on their system, they talk to the right installer, that solar's cheaper than utility power. So no doubt in my mind that solar can meet all of our energy needs at a cheaper price than conventional utility power. And I'll wrap up with a question for you. Why should you pay hundreds of dollars to your utility every month forever? when you can cut your bill to almost zero. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast.